to The Sleeper and the Bust. It is the 142nd episode, and it happens to be on the day of the All-Star game, so it is the All-Star edition, finally, of The Sleeper and the Bust. And joining me, as always, during the week is Eno Saris. Eno, how are you today? Uh, I'm not uh, feeling like an All-Star because uh, I keep sleeping on the couch and my back is busted, so I, I embody uh, the title of our podcast today. Outstanding. Outstanding. Well, uh, yeah, and I'm, I'm, I'm operating on about an hour and a half of sleep myself. Oh, this is going to be some quality radio. <laughs> I'm excited for this. <laughs> I can't think of a better way to analyze baseball players than, uh, in our con- physical conditions and mental right. states. I'm and <laughs> I think there's no better way to dive right into the first player that uh, we're going to mention, and that is Ubaldo Jimenez, because that guy's just—he is a work of art, and I don't mean that in a in a kind way. Uh, yeah. But uh, the Orioles have have made it known that uh, he is he is close to returning from a sprained ankle, and that he will be beginning a rehab assignment uh, a week from this Wednesday. And that's that's it's a positive development. I don't think it's going to take him too long. You know, maybe he has to make a start or two. It's interesting that they're announcing already how soon he's going to start this rehab assignment, considering that it's eight days away. Um, it kind of smells like, in a sense, maybe they're they're they want to make sure that they uh, that they have Kevin Gaussman in the rotation for a couple more starts, uh, and it's it's I think it's going to be an interesting rotation to see how it shakes out uh, because we really liked Gaussman. How do we see this rotation shaking out for the rest of the season? Is there a chance that, for instance, that Gaussman is not a part of it for the rest of the uh, the rest of the season? Yeah, it's just amazing that Ubaldo has these years. It's like every two or three years he has one year where he walks over five for nine or over four and a half for nine and just has a totally lost, terrible year. I wonder he must he must have some mechanical thing that just goes out of whack every once in a while and you just can't find a way to back you know yeah that was a huge I mean the mechanical issues were I mean Cleveland spent an exorbitant amount of time uh, kind of fixing his mechanics and that's what kind of allowed him to get on that track for like the last four months of last season mm-hmm. I mean that's that was kind of the newsy reason behind the thing but it was evident in his numbers although we, i think we've talked about it on uh around here before that uh, it was also you know don't overlook the fact that the schedule was quite favorable for him at that time but uh yeah it appears that yeah. the orioles have not found that same elixir for him no no it just hasn't hurt quite as much i don't think i i don't yeah they 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 don't like the cutter and they have some organizational beliefs about pitching um that a lot of people agree with, a lot of people think the cutter, you know, reduces fastball velocity. So they definitely have a stance on pitching, but it, like they don't seem to be very good at developing pitching. They don't seem to be very good at, at, at putting together a pitching staff. And I know that the park has a lot to do with that, but, you know, on some level, you know, it's a little bit frustrating. It must be frustrating to be an Orioles fan to see, especially with like Arietta blossoming in, in, um, in Chicago. So, 
you know, what, what, so back to your question, Gossman, um, <laughs> well, the, the first, the easy, the easy way out, the easy answer, the stupid answer is, um, of course, Gossman will be part of this rotation going forward because uh, teams need 10 starters uh, usually. So Bud Norris will be hurt again, or Wayne Chen will be hurt, or Chris Tillman will be hurt. This is how baseball works every year. And uh, so therefore, he will get more innings. Now, what I think, you know, what you're really asking is, it will... Is he the main? Is he part of the main five? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the the person I keep looking at, and he's been piggybacked with him before, so it, he's definitely tied to the success of Miguel Gonzalez. Yeah. And, you know, I think the, I think the magic ran out for Miguel Gonzalez. I don't know why he had a 260 BABIP uh, against for 278 innings. I don't know what happened then but um his line drive rate is down um and he's got the best ground ball uh no he doesn't have the best ground ball but he never had a good ground ball rate so i mean it's just there's no i don't see like a real reason for him being bad this year but i would just say i'd never expected him to continue having a 260 bab up against and i didn't really you know, think that it would last. So this is who I think Miguel Gonzalez always has been. And, um, and so I think he's the guy that's going to lose, especially, you know, what we haven't seen yet in Baltimore are the really hot days of July and August. And we were starting to see them, but the really hot days where the ball just leaves the field Mm. and all of their starters are projected for over 1.3 homers per nine. (laughs) Uh, for for good reason, I guess, uh, because of that. And Baltimore is the hottest park in baseball, um, and temperature is a huge part of power. So um, I think you know more day games, more hot games in Baltimore are going to mean more homers. And of all the guys, he's the guy with the crazy uh, fly ball rate and a real lack of a strong um, pitch. Uh, I guess a split finger is pretty good, but other than that. Um, you know, he doesn't really have a great repertoire. So, um, and he doesn't really have good, great control of that this year. So there's just no real standout tool. There's no real something I can point to. And if Gossman starts putting it together, like he's been showing glimpses of in the last few starts, um, he's going to be just an obvious improvement over, over, uh, Miguel Gonzalez. And then there's the last, the last question, which you didn't even uh, say, which is they've got to be on the list of teams that might be acquire a, a starter. Yeah. Um, they were, yeah, obviously they had, there was, they were, had, they had rumored to have been, uh, expressing interest in Jeff Samarja. Yeah. So, so there, obviously, uh, David Price is going to be, uh, it's going to be hard to pry him out of, uh, Tampa, even harder than usual, uh, based on, you know, probably, you know, people say, oh, I'd trade it to anyone. Well, yes, you would trade to anyone, but if you had an equal package, from Dodgers and and even somewhat equal package from the Dodgers and the, and the Orioles, I think you would send David Price to the Dodgers. Yeah. Um, so I just I feel like it's a little bit more likely that David Price ends up in L.A. Um, or Seattle. Those are the new rumors, and then um, that means that Cliff Lee is going to either go to Baltimore or Toronto, and. Um, you know, that's that's and I think that once you leave David Price and Cliff Lee, you get into a bunch of pitchers where it's not necessarily a great upgrade for the Orioles. 
and they may not they may not make a move because they don't get complete. So there's a lot of high wire stuff with Kevin Gossman, and I think that stuff plus the fact that his swing strike rate and strikeout rate right now on the season aren't that great. Yeah. Um, you know, I just I would uh, I would stay away in mixed leagues for the most part. And that's disappointing because he's. Uh... I, st- I still want to believe that there's something to this. Uh, you know, he's di- he's displaying this skill of uh, inducing infield fly balls, <laughs> um, and <clears throat> he's made some. Uh, I-, I don't know. Is it just is it just luck right now that he's uh, really had some success in home run suppression? But uh, well, that those things are tied. I mean, if it, yeah. if it is a skill of the infield fly ball rate, then he should have a low home run rate. Right. No. Yeah. I, I mean, I certainly won't question that. I mean, it just uh, I'm hoping it's. It's a reflection of his skill and not so much just a... Well, I mean, you know, the, the nice thing about Gossman is that he has uh, he's great command of the mind. So it, it, that's the sort of thing that is associated with that infield fly ball rate that you're talking about. Uh, the ability to sort of put command the ball, put the ball right in on the hands, uh, hit it right up in the air. So uh, I think there is a skill there. There's an ability there. And he has stats to back up the fact that he might have so that's a fun little nation thing that he's got this nice um, infield fly ball rate. He's got a 6% whiff rate on a splitter. It's great. It's the great pain, 70% is good. We've we've talked about his flaws before. You know, he, the, the slider's bad by all metrics, and, uh, and it doesn't look that great when you watch it. Four seam, though it's 96, 6% whiff, seems a little straight. So we know, we know what Gotham's uh, flaws are. Maybe uh, he probably happy about this. he could get traded to uh, the Phillies and they'll teach him a cutter um, or he'll just blow away NL lineups either way um, that would be an interesting outcome uh, for him yeah um, yeah yeah no I would like to see that <laughs> that would be an, that would be actually a really great I think he'd be an immediate mixture because some of the questions about homers and his home park and his role would be all out the window he'd be an, he'd be an immediate NL pitching start six mile practice on a great split change that'd be enough to to go and get him in, in almost any league i think um but as it is with a somewhat uncertain role somewhat uncertain slider situation speaking of drops i just wanted to say uh I, I, we're technical difficulties we're both on the road we're both traveling um and we apologize if there's any uh, sort of uh, quality of, of sound uh problem. Yeah, definitely want to apologize. And we have debated for the, about this, and we've ch- talked about our setups uh, being on the road and stuff like that. And but and the, you know the debate was between you know kind of forging through it at, or not having a podcast. And we wanted to have a podcast, obviously. So we hope you can bear with us through that. And um, I do want to say about Ubaldo Jimenez that his velocity is down significantly once again this season, and uh, that guy's career can't be. Can't be taking a very good turn right now, <laughs> but I, you know, I did, you made a point real quick, and I just want to say that, um, uh, yeah, in general, yes, the Orioles, at least uh, for the most part, for a while, have had trouble developing pitchers. But uh, I think in the last few years, last couple of years, I'll say, um, when uh, I want to say it's Jim Duquette, uh, that's who they hired a couple of years ago, Damn. and there's been kind of some changes in the front office and in philosophy and stuff since. That has, uh, I mean, I don't, it, it's not readily evident or anything like that, but I mean, you've seen it in, in, in terms of their, 
the way they go after talent uh, with the the drafting of, of Dylan Bundy, of Kevin Gausman, of Manny Machado, uh, the international signings and stuff like that. But like it's a different philosophy as far as bringing in talent, but it's also like um, they look at new ways to bring players along. They realize that they don't they're not necessarily going to be a team that's going to compete with the Yankees in terms of payroll and things like that too. So they have to be more creative. And I know like. Uh, I remember reading an article that they were um, one of the few organizations at the time they start they had done a lot of uh, like kind of extensive research or uh, extensive work with uh, biomechanics people and stuff like that. Like they were one of the first teams into that, um, and that was one of the things that helped them turn Chris Tillman around. So, well, always, like I'm not sure um, how bad the cutter is. They need to think about the cutter earlier than they do. Um, and, uh, I'm not sure it's such a, a pitch that needs to be bent or whatever. But even taking that stance, I find it's, it's a positive stance. It's a kind of it's a, it's a it's a definitive stance. It means that they've done some research. They've done some thinking about what they want to do as an organization. It, it's a little different than what the two seamer, four seamer. They want everybody to learn a two seamer. They want them to throw it a lot, um, and they think that's good for health. Out any sort of stance like that goes. They're they're doing what you're about the future and, and trying to be different uh, so yeah as as depressed as i might have sounded at the beginning <laughs> some hope and i still love kevin goff so i hope this guy figures it out yeah for sure uh we can move to another organization that um uh seems to always uh, seems to have for the last couple of years or at least the last couple of years been on the cusp of figuring it out as an as an organization but we kind of remain frustrated with where they are uh and that's the the Kansas City Royals, and the, the positive news for them is that uh, Alex Gordon <clears throat> uh, sounds like he believes he'll be ready to return to the lineup on Friday, and he'd been dealing with a sprained wrist. I'm a little surprised that he's going to be ready to go so soon, but uh, clearly this means that it's a very minor injury, and that's really really good news for fantasy owners. Uh, but uh, it's going to perhaps put a wrench in. The, there was an article that come. This has been a rumor now for. Um, or uh, I guess to say the least, there was there was a little more smoke to it than just, uh, or a little more fire to it than just a rumor. But um, that Casey had been weighing the possibility of benching Norichika Aoki uh, in favor of Jared Dyson, uh, and the injury to Aoki string groin that kind of put a, a, a wrench in those plans initially. But uh, Aoki's back. The timing. Uh, with with Gordon's injury allowed them to continue to play both Aoki and Dyson. Uh, but now uh, it sounds like they could open the second half with uh, with Aoki on the bench for more, more often than not. And uh, I mean, I think it's I think overall it's a productive move. They talked about and another reason for this is the, between Dyson, Gordon. Gordon is clearly a gold glove outfielder. He's been phenomenal defensively. Um, and with Lorenzo Cain in center and Dyson in right, uh, or vice versa, uh, they they have uh, an outfield that can cover a lot of ground, and that's uh, kind of a good thing at Kauffman Stadium. <laughs> um, and that's uh, that's one of the main appeals to them. But I think also, I mean, at, at this point, uh, Dyson has proven to be a better player getting on base than Aoki, who is, I think has kind of been a disappointment uh, offensively for them. Do you think that this is a positive move for KC? Uh, do you think, you know, it, does this have some some staying power? And, and uh, I mean, I think fantasy owners have to be interested because, I mean, I, I picked up Jared Dyson in uh, Tout Mixed 
few weeks ago when Aoki hit the DL and I wanted him because I needed the steals, but uh, I was, I was kind of hoping that the situation would play out this way. Yeah. My, my initial reaction was a version uh, and saying this is a terrible deal because, you know, if you look at uh, isolated slugging, you know, slugging percentage minus batting average, if you look at that stat for um, the American League, the Royals at last. And in my head, I thought, you know, Jared Dyson, Slappy, Slappy McSlapperson <laughs> is uh, going to have, you know, half the ISO of Ioki. But then I looked at Ioki's page and, you know, he's been terrible. Yeah. And his, he doesn't have a homer this year. And the, the 10 homer, you know, league average ISO that he showed um, with the Brewers seems like a really long time ago. I mean, even his second effort with the Brewers, um, he, he dropped a lot of power and he continued that power drop this year. So, you know, and a guy who hits the he hits the ball on the ground sixty five percent of the time, which is his career high. It's just it's just not the kind of thing that's going to give him any power. So, if he doesn't represent a power upgrade over Dyson, and he doesn't represent um, a, a defensive upgrade over Dyson, and even the on base percentage is gone now, and he never really had a great walk rate. It was more about putting balls in play and having a good Babbitt. Um, that's the kind of skill set that really Dyson can show too. Yeah. Um, so, you know, much as I thought you're crazy, this is that's not a good idea. Um, Dyson has shown enough this year. Now, I do think you know he strikes out a lot more. It's not a problem. It's still better than league average rate, but that's. I think partially why uh, he's re- protected to regress other than just the 344 Babbitt a little bit in that strikeout rate. So, you know, when he starts hitting 250, 260, um, he'll be Ioki. <laughs> so, <laughs> but perhaps still, a def- uh, still clearly, I think, and, and uh, defensive war shows it, uh, uh, UZR shows it that he's a better defender anyway. Um, so they may not make the change. Regardless, I shouldn't say that this is definite, but uh, this has been this has been talked about for so long, I guess, and that uh, Nori has been a good hitter most of his career. He thinks he can step back in when he gets healthy, um, but he said we'll see where it adds when it happens. I guess he's been. I, I I think I guess my feeling is he's been answering this question for long enough that I think eventually they have to look at the change. Um, but I mean, it could be just a case. Maybe that I'm, I, I may be reading way too much into it. I mean, I have to say that, but. This has been talked about, I guess, in the media there for um, close to a month now. Uh, Likes batting average a little bit. I mean, you know, I'm not trying to disparage the whole organization. You know, I think they do like bat a little bit. Dyson has is, is got the nice batting average. He's got the better glove. He's the better option right now, even from a saber standpoint. So, uh, I, I definitely get Dyson on my team. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Uh, but <clears throat> another and another player we want to talk about is a player whose job is not in jeopardy, but uh, is a requested topic, and uh, we have a couple of those we want to get to. We're excited about. Uh, but the first one is Eric Hosmer. Uh, so it's a good time to talk about him because uh, one of our listeners wants to know if he, you know, is he due for this big second half? He started to look a little better here in the last week or two. Um, and this is kind of the we're used to Hosmer, I guess, teasing us a bit at this point um, and not really giving us fantastic fantasy numbers uh, is, I mean, 
the questioner wants to know if you're, for instance, is Lucas Duda or Steve Pierce or Kung Fu Panda a better option? I think you could, you can make the argument for Kung Fu Panda, Pablo Sandoval, um, simply because he's a third baseman and maybe that has a little more value somehow in your league, but it sounds like it's not, I mean, I mean, Hosmer is uh, based on those options in general. I mean, you're, you're probably sticking with Hosmer, but uh, that's, and that's just, that's kind of the, the automatic, that's a, the default reaction. Maybe I'm overlooking something here. Um, are we start? Is it, are we to the point where we've probably overrated Hosmer, or there's a, there's still a lot to salvage here? Well, as, you know, there's a couple things going on. One is that um, you know he always had stolen bases as, as part of what separated him from a guy like Pablo Sandoval. You know, they might Pablo Sandoval might have a couple more homers, um, you know, and but Eric Hosmer would have 11 steals, and that's sort of um, even though you don't want necessarily want steals from your first baseman. It's still out of steals are part of my game. I don't care. I don't think about them. Uh, the problem also, just with Eric Hosmer, the baseball player, is that he doesn't think a lot. Isn't it? Griffith and Griffith guy that could use some thinking about, you know, what he wants to do and power base. It's just really inconsistent walk rates, big power fluctuations, big months. So, yeah, before and, and probably again. I think the, you'll find this end of this season, You'll look up and you'll have it 290 average, you'll have it 15, 20 homer, um, and but you won't have um, more than five or six steals. And, uh, that'll be sort of the degradation of his family value. Uh, but I think it is silly. I mean, I don't really have I don't see anything in there that I'm like, oh gosh, he's now striking 25% of the time. He's terrible. You know, I think he's going to be Eric Hosmer minus two steals, and that's still bad. And uh, just you said 15 to 20 homers at one point there, so I'm just going to say no, no 20. Because he hasn't hit 20 yet, and uh, that's, the only re- that's the only thing that ever matters. But no, seriously, I mean, I just, uh, it just, it's, I, I've, I, I think I, I never really expected as much uh, of Hosmer as other folks did, but. Um, I mean, he basically looks like Billy Butler with a little bit of that. Right, exactly. And it's not a bad player, it's just not uh the player that most people were excited about. Another topic that we can move to is a player who has disappointed us only this season, and that is Gene Segura. Uh, one of our listeners says he doesn't even think he's rosterable anymore, and I think it, obviously it's going to depend on your uh, the league depth. In this case, this fellow is probably in a, in a mixed league, um, but uh, wants to know if we can just confirm that for him. Apparently he's ready to move on, and the, uh, the caveat to that is always, as long as you can get something better, um, it's hard to argue against dropping a player if you if you upgrade, regardless. But uh, we're talking about a player who's hitting 232 with four home runs and 15 stolen bases, and that's a far cry from the 294, 12, 44 of the previous season. I think when you project a guy like this, you probably end up some, with something in between those two. <laughs> but uh, we're just talking about the rest of this season, and is there going to be some positive regression for Segura? If you take away the, the, the name and... He's had uh, a terrible uh, go of it recently. His child just died. Um, his, his child just died. He's on. He's on bereavement leave. And, um, you know, it's, it, it's if you take all that away and you just look at the, the the stats, I would say yes. I think that it's pretty clear that he's the same guy he's always been, and he has a two fifty seven BABIP. Even though his line drive rate, his ground ball rate, his fly ball rate, all those other rates are the same as they have ever been. You know, he wasn't supposed to be that big of a power guy. 
with a couple more steals if he gets to 30, 35, um, you know, and, and hits like 270, 275 the rest of the way. That's, that's, that's A, valuable, B, totally in line, but we thought he would be uh, based on, I think, last year and, and, um, and his minor league stats. And C, not very probable. But then you bring in the context again, and you know that these are human beings. You know that they have lost seasons. You know that they have periods in their life. Um, you know that he's not right now primed to be great. You know? Yeah. I missed that story about the, the child passing. I knew that um, he was going to be in Bremen leaving us so, all. Like, I guess they initially announced it just as it was a, an issue in the family or something like that. But I guess it, since it's come out there, and that's we see a lot of players where I don't want to use the word fortunate, but I can't think of it. Just at least we uh, we know kind of why now there might be there you know there's also now something in negative affecting him and like a lot of times we don't get news about stuff like this until after the season whether it's like a player has gone through a messy divorce or something like that it just uh so in, the, in that case i mean we do know that there's a negative event and it's 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 terrible i mean yeah it, it, and it is it's sometimes it is too easy to forget that these guys are you know they have lives just kind of well i wouldn't say just like ours but kind of like yeah. ours <laughs> and um worth wondering how much they are like ours because he had a baby um you know that is a happy event but having had one myself it is an exhausting event it is so tiring the first six months of having a baby uh, are so tiring that i I believe we're about to have another (laughs) (laughs) i want to say i mean last time i saw you too i think you um you really seem to recover your shape well and um Look like you'd lost a lot of that pregnancy weight. So, I mean, kudos to you, dude. I think you've done a great job of uh, of having of hitting having payment. Is the is the we're having a baby? Yeah. <laughs> says, yeah. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I think uh, in any case, there there are these things that maybe slightly explain what's happening. But what does that mean for the rest of this year? I don't know. Sometimes yeah. players tell me it's nice to come to the park and and. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, when I go on business trips, sometimes, you know, not this one, I'm, uh, I'm not getting a lot of sleep on this one. But <laughs> sometimes when I go on business trips, I get more sleep than I would at home. Uh, and uh, I did just talk to a friend of mine at this who who has an infinite home, and he was happy uh, to leave for the All Star game so that he could get some sleep. So uh, there is some, uh, you know, possibility that he, you know, tries to come to the park, clear his head, and 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 find some solace in baseball and. Maybe he has that regular. Staff. I don't really think that the Brewers have another option. No. So I don't think they're going to demote him. I think they're just going to stick with him. He's going to be the bottom of the lineup. And uh, that might affect his steals a little bit. Uh, but in like a keeper league, I actually think I want to I want to maybe uh, get him. Yeah. So I'm unsure in my on-base percentage league, I'm unsure how much I want to get him because, you know, he, he his walk rate has further away from – Already bad period, so I'm not sure that I really want a 310 on base percentage guy. No, uh, this is but, not a player that interests me in, in OBP leagues. But uh, in other leagues, he's great, and even in those deep ass leagues, you know, uh, the average shortstop probably has like a 310 OBP. So true. It's uh, and he's he's better than average in the other fantasy categories. So, any case, um, uh, maybe a, a sort of tepid by low opportunity. Uh, when it comes to redrafts, 
I'm sorry we're not being more helpful. It, it, it's this is a player who's having a human crisis, and you know it can go so many different ways from here. I just hope that you know his life uh, gets better, and um, and I hope he plays better. I think I think he would if I didn't know those other things. You know? Yes, yeah, I, I agree. Segura, Segura is a player who is uh, without knowing those other things, and that doesn't mean that those other things are necessarily negatively affecting him because it just could, it could be just as much as you kind of alluded or as you alluded that, you know, it could be just as much that he finds solace in the sport at this point because of all these things going on and it becomes a positive for him. So it's just a little more information and uh, it, it's kind of a wait and see. It's, it's, it sucks that we can't say one way or another. Yeah. One of our commenters would love to hear, you know, wax on about Hector Santiago uh, because he's, he's had an okay strikeout minus walk percentage. Uh, for his career, uh, it's above 10% uh, string, swinging strike rate that approaches, well, doesn't quite approach. It's a, it's about league average, I would say, right? And um, he's pitched, pitched really well since, basically, since the, the Halos have had to depend on him, uh, recall him from uh, his demotion to the to the minors. Uh, is there something that, that uh, you know sees specifically here, uh, or is it just a lot of noise? I think that you know, I think Chase Whitley got me in a little bit of trouble when it, came, when it comes to these uh, small sample uh, pitch type peripheral uh, discussions because first came up the changeup in the slider looked great and the fastball looked better in a small sample, but the more he threw the fastball, the worse it got, and the more he looked like possibly a reliever um, or just not as good as we thought he was at the beginning. So I, I do kind of at some point soon want to run um, some reliability uh, stuff on type people so like, we can say okay you know he's only thrown 90 change-ups and you know you don't really want about 200 300 pitches before you 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 believe in a, in a swing strike rate or something so that is something that is on the table i have to do i haven't done it yet. um so we're you know, I have to split hector santiago's june um june forward away from what before there's not really a big difference in terms of movement of any is, but he is throwing the uh, changeup more and the cutter more. And he's getting 17% whiffs on the change and 14% whiffs on the cutter. So, uh, and the fastball is, is getting 9% whiffs in that small sample. So, you know, what does that mean beyond? And does it does it mean that he's changed, or does it mean that these changes are meaningful? Um, you know, going forward, I don't know. Uh, it's a very, if you watch him, it's a very inconsistent changeup. Um, it hangs. Uh, it's not always great. When he throws a screwball, it's most of the time it's terrible. Um, and, um, you know, I can't comment too much. I don't, the cutter didn't register with me as being a great pitch, but, um, you know, it, it's, it's certainly above average. So, uh, he does get some deception out of that fastball. And, uh, I think that's the which is something that you pointed out to me, uh, is he's showing the best command rates of his career, his best best walk rate of his career. Um, and, uh, you know... That might have to do with the the, the concentration on these two different... The, 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 like you said, the change in the pitch mix a little bit. It could be. It's not associated with a first strike rate, a good first strike rate. Still, uh, his career has a below average strike rate, and this year it's really bad. But he's throwing the ball in the zone more. That could be bad for Homer. You know, I think I, the way I put it for him is he's a decent. But I would take uh, take Hector Santiago again. He 
75% of the league at home. Did you say 75% of the league at home? Yeah, in terms of like against the teams, against two thirds of the teams at home. Okay. Well, it's a. <clears throat> against at least average teams. Yeah. You know, would take them against um, the A's, and the, the teams that are, you know, scoring a lot of runs, it might get a little bit harder. Let me see who. Where I draw the line, I've got, <laughs> I've got the teams up. I've got them sorted by uh, Angels, uh, that's, A's, it's A's, Tigers, Blue Jays. I don't. Think I would fifth in the league is the Indians uh, and the White Sox and the Orioles. I mean, I think, I think I'd pitch Hector Santiago at home against those teams. Okay. Now, how about uh, Hector Santiago versus I'm going to say Matt Shoemaker uh, because when C.J. Wilson comes back. That becomes a, a possibility. And then we have to talk about also, although the reality of how, how likely the trade is, we, it, I think it's, it, it's hard to assess, at least it is for me. But uh, the, the Halos have also expressed interest in Ian Kennedy um, quite a bit. And uh, certainly the Padres have no reason not to trade him. So um, we could talk about Hector Santiago versus Matt Shoemaker, and then is the pointy uh, moot because once assuming that the rotation is healthy again, and that's never a guarantee, uh, then there's always a possibility that they're both displaced. So Shoemaker's been in the rotation longer than Santiago. Actually, look at what the team is. And Santiago was in the minors, and Shoemaker was pitching. I'm not 100% sure on that. Um, and it's a little actually hard to sort of figure out easily. I feel like... Uh, Already shown the peck, right? They've already shown that you know Schuster is up and, and at some point Santiago is down. So that means that Santiago is the next guy to go down when he's back. Probably. What I would say on top of that is that I love Jumek still by type peripheral, and I I hope I don't get in trouble with this one, man. It, it just looks good, but um, I still like him a lot. I know he had that big blow up. I probably get a pitcher it seems like they're the kind of team that want to get a pitcher. they want to get you know they want to fight the uh the, the a's they want to try to win that and they love pitching so i think the trade for a pitcher and the halo seem like an organization that they're going to go after they don't really have necessarily they don't you, you don't need you probably don't need uh outstanding minor league resources in, in order to go get like an ian kennedy so uh, do you like kennedy in and i'm I find it hard to see any reason to think it's going to get any better than it was in, uh, when he was with the Padres, but he has been pretty good in his last couple of starts. We've talked about him at this point that he kind of looks like he looks like about what he's been, about a four ERA pitcher. Except that this, uh, all of a sudden, that nice stretch right after I traded him away, <laughs> ERA, but the AL, you're going to get close to 375, 380 anyway. Like, um, he's, I feel like the definite be moved. Uh, it's a question of, you know, who's going to uh, San Diego is the actual team right now. Um, and who's going to try, you know, acquire someone you know, who, who's going to actually do the, the work. So, anyway, Anaheim is the best place that Ian Kennedy he can, he can go in the league anyway. So, yeah. You know, if it's going to happen, hope it's there. And I should say, like I said, he looks just like the pitcher we thought he was of around a 350 ERA, not a four. My goodness. 
in the end, I mean, we still talked about. I mean, a lot of the a lot of the peripherals were so much exorbitantly better that uh, I mean, it was just basically some some home run suppression was a little different. I mean, obviously the strikeout rate is higher, but uh, yeah, had to figure there might be a little bit of give back in that, but a little bit of velocity this year. I don't know where it came from. He's got the best velocity of his career right now. <clears throat> It'll be interesting to see what he does uh, because. Uh, I think people, yeah, people kind of look at Kennedy as this on the cusp, just below kind of uh, tier one, like a tier one, tier two starter. Like he's just below that, and think he's a th- a still a three fifty ERA, and when that's obviously pretty good, but it could easily go up to four. But I guess I can't be surprised also if he ends up with a sub three ERA for the rest of the season. I really don't know. <laughs> I think he's just he's a he's he's a little bit enig- enigmatic for me. I mean, it's just, it's not a blow, uh, a bit of a fastball weakness. I mean, it's, he can command the fastball, so he gets a lot out of the stuff, but, you know, normally they're sitting around 90, a little bit of a fastball weakness. And uh, before we move to on to our next topic, I did want to just mention real quick to us that one of our commenters to correct us, we had talked about David Peralta on uh, the last cast that, you know, and I did together. And uh, we were like, where, what happened to this big gap in his years between, I think like 2008 and 2013 commenter, let us know that uh, David Peralta was in fact a pitcher in the Cardinals minor league system uh, for that stretch. And so uh, I think all the more kudos to him for salvaging some part of his career and becoming uh, perhaps uh, number four, number five outfielder worthy in the major leagues. <laughs> That's a, a that is actually quite an accomplishment. Before we get away from the Arizona Diamondbacks, uh, it's kind of a good segue into that they have re- recalled Trevor Cahill. They have banished Mike Bolsinger to the the minor leagues, and and uh, I was kind of uh, last year year and a half or so, I was kind of getting on Cahill. I kind of liked him. I thought there was a lot to like. Um, some improved velocity, uh, I think it was, uh, with the move to Arizona and. Uh, of course, the move to the National League with the strikeouts and things like that. And I thought that there was some significant hope that he was starting to improve the walk rate, although that totally blew up this year, and that was not at all the case. Is is there anything to salvage at this point, though? I mean, like, the minor leagues, the numbers don't say that he got any better. I'm not even sure why the the Diamondbacks are now willing to go with him other than eh, we might as well give him a shot and see if this is this guy stinks as much as we think he does. Yeah, it wasn't good. Six walks per nine. I actually like you know a, a decent amount. It's a, you know it's the best swing strike rate of his career. Uh, decent two pitch comp. You know his four seam sucks, but he doesn't he doesn't barely ever throw it. Um, good sink, good change, good curve. So I think he's actually a decent pickup. Um, you know a career strike about six per nine. Ball guy is not the starter. Okay, so you do like him or don't? No, I like him deeply. Okay. Because in a deep league, a guy who can pitch to a 3-8-9 ERA um, is useful. And in, in a league where that is useful, he can be useful. Yeah. But And I do a little bit of you – know, I still see there's a little upside in a, in a, in a guy who has a career that's both great above average and have for a long time and who's now shown a swing strike rate of his career, there's a, there's an inkling of, of possible, possible there. But, you know, 970 in, ERA, six strikeouts for nine, that's, that makes it not a deep league, league for me. Not a deep league. Yeah, I, I mean, I'm, 
I'm hopeful for Cahill simply because of what I've seen in the past, I guess, based on uh, what has occurred in the minor leagues and what I read about in the, in the locals uh, suggests that he hasn't, he hasn't discovered that uh, fix to the command issue that has kind of plagued him for a couple of years now. So I'm hopeful, but not optimistic. Personally, I would be, I mean, I might throw in a $0 bid as kind of a last resort on him in a mix, well, in a very deep mixed league. Uh, and I guess, I mean, he's certainly probably, he's certainly worth an acquisition in an only league if for some reason he's available. I can't get my hopes up anymore. I think he kind of depresses me. <laughs> Before we start to get out of here, we did want to talk about some things that, first of all, I want to get into a little bit of, a little bit more about uh, possible trade rumors. Now that uh, Seattle has apparently um, done so much as to talk to Kansas City about uh, Billy Butler. And that, I mean, that certainly, it, Seattle's made no secret that they are after a, a right-handed hitter that could provide some power. Um, they We talked uh, in an earlier show about the, their interest in Marlon Byrd, and now they've had some talks with uh, about Billy Butler. The fallout from this is just going to include uh, that someone in Seattle is going to lose significant playing time. And uh, I don't think that's going to be really a huge disappointment because uh, it, maybe it's Dustin Ackley or somebody like that. But are there any of these players? I mean, I, I think it's, it's for me, it seems to uh, be a hard way to fit. I think Butler is a difficult fit in Seattle. Uh, they already have too many kind of players that play first base or DH as it is. Yeah, I do think uh, Bird is, is interesting acquisition there. Uh, can play the outfield. Uh, some could use, they could probably use him. Um, I think there's a little bit of maybe lefty uh that he can balance out. Mm-hmm. Uh, in that lineup, and he probably cost as as, as uh, the other name that they're supposedly now going to get is did talk to the, the Mariners. They were pretty sure that both were going to Seattle. That Seattle would sell Taiwan Walker, uh, and Marlon Bird was going to go up too. So you know, might be Walker plus I don't know, for for price. I don't know how that stacks up. It's it's definitely a better pitcher than the uh, Dodgers can offer. The Dodgers. Going to offer him exactly Julio uh, and the uh, the Rays actually prefer uh, talents close exactly as sure they would forward with Jock Peterson probably, who is a great outfielder. The Rays are a little bit more concerned with pitching. So I think, given their offensive state, they should be a lot more concerned with uh, if they could acquire a player perhaps of Peterson's caliber, they might want to consider that. <laughs> you know, and you look at the. Are they as much of a rebuild as the as the Cubs who went out and got another shortstop? Uh, so I think always want to get the hitter because the hitter's prospects better bus rates and all that. But there is desperation, I think, in Seattle. I think that they're nearing the end of their window uh, in terms of as being a front office. And I think that they're they've shown this year that they're going to go out and veterans. I think Dustin Ackley is the Dustin Ackley owner. I think it's time to. You probably don't have to do too much to 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 do uh, to pull the Ackley owner off Ackley. I think at this point, unless you mean like sort of hold him back, <laughs> yeah. Unless it's unless it's strictly in the interest of uh, maintaining Ackley's physical health, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and physical health, again, I, I, we often stumble into these perfect segues. Physical health. I don't think there's any. Uh, perfect physical health. There's no better way to describe uh, the condition of Bartolo Colon. Uh, and he is available. 
so say the Mets. <laughs> uh, and that might not excite too many fantasy owners based on the overall numbers, I suppose, uh, with 399 ERA. But we, we've, and obviously we've seen him perform better in the previous two seasons. And folks think, well, maybe this is just kind of this was due. Uh, I, I still tend to think that I think Cologne would be a fantastic acquisition for some team out there because, uh, and, and I think that includes even an American League team, uh, because his fastball command for two and a half years running has been outstanding. And I don't see any reason uh, that that will change. Now, obviously this is not like huge mixed league property because the strikeouts are not that great. And if he goes back to the American league, they're going to drop down to probably in that five and a half range of five and a half per nine uh, that he was putting up. But I mean, I think to me, like I I still see, (laughs) I like Cologne. Like I, I, it's like, I, I like Cologne. I could see Cologne being, um, kind of a, a playoff force and one of these guys who comes out and is like, Oh, nobody saw this coming. And it's a big story for the news people and all that crap. But clone and his, you know, 80 plus percent fastball usage, uh, and excellent command and control, uh, and is, and ends up shutting down some team in a playoff series. The worries me about not necessarily that it's the American league, but it's the type of uh, team that would be interested in it. And, you know, maybe if he went to the Angels, that'd be great. But uh, if he went to Toronto or Baltimore, I would be worried because the the only sort of risk of this uh, this approach he's got, he's had home, home runs, yeah. Five ball guy, and, and, you know, if you put him in Toronto, it might be ugly. Um, oh, yeah. But would those teams even be so eager to go after him? I could see Baltimore trading for Cologne, but I don't see Toronto. I don't see them making Cologne a solution for them. Toronto has a lot of four, five, sixes. Yeah. Another guy for the back end. I think also if Kansas City is looking to make deals such as a swap of Billy Butler and then they also consider Johnny Gomes a potential target, that sounds like a recipe for... Uh, or it does sound like a recipe for playoff disaster, but uh, I guess Johnny Gomes has been known to play the hero every now and then, where for whatever that's worth. Uh, do you? I mean, does Johnny Gomes have much value on the trade market? <laughs> well, actually, uh, it, it, right now, sometimes becomes a hard thing to find. Yeah, I for the Mets was looking for a right-handed uh, tune back. They're out to had to go got a real five guy and Andrew Brown. You know, I think that was part of why. Picked up young, they they you know it's kind of a strange thing. I think that the stars a lot of times end up on the left. People really want lefties and uh, get the opportunity and all that. Then find oh we have a weakness on our bench with right-handed bat. We never a bench bat, and all of a sudden you know you can't find these guys. So I mean I don't think he's got a, a tremendous amount of interest. They're not going to bring a lot back, but there are definitely people returning calls of Johnny Gomes. Okay, and um, it's disappointing that they are instead not placing calls to Jeff Francoeur, but hey, I think that's a good time to get us into a little bit of talk about the Futures game. Uh, I didn't see any of the Futures game. Jason talked a little bit about it, and he was, uh, he's actually recorded it and is going to break some some more of it down. Uh, but uh, you know, you know, saw quite a bit of it, and uh, he saw some exciting things. Holy cow. Uh, was just crazy. He rocketed balls to every field. Just he broke a car windshield uh, that was out in, in, in the sort of concourse. He was <laughs> a mile, and uh, it was funny. Because 
was sitting there talking to Keith Law, and we weren't talking about the power because that's sort of obvious. Everyone knows about his power. We were talking about whether what his strikeout rate would be in the major league, and we were all talking about you know how much contact make and you know be other than power. And they said that what they really liked his BPs uh, because what he does is he tries drives to the outfield in every direction. You would see him pop one up in the straight in the air, make an adjustment in the right there at the next time. So uh, they, they thought that he's shown a lot this year, that he's, he's shown that he can be adjust more and power will probably make play. Anyway, it was, a, it was that fun to see that uh, Brian uh, tried uh, to, to match him. I think it felt like he was swinging pretty hard, but like the same oohs and ahs. Julio Urias, the, the Dodgers, uh, young 18-year-old or whatever, has a great arm. It's 94, beautiful changeup that just drops off the table. I see a lot of the curveballs. It's one thing you get to see a full arsenal of these games because they just come in and air it out. But I didn't know that he's blind in one eye. He's 80% blind in one eye. Oh, my. You mean as a player? <laughs> yeah. Sounds like he has a future as an umpire. Hey, but I'm <laughs> he was probably my favorite pitcher to watch in the, in the game. Barrios was good. You know, the, the guys that stand out, though, at this sort of are, are going to be guys that everyone knows and stand which is they're going to be guys with tools. Uh, have a big pass there um, in a, in a two-inning stint or one-inning stint and just throw the ball super hard, and everyone's going to say, oh, my God, 98, amazing. But it is the nature of an all-star game like that. That makes it fun, but it also doesn't make it a super great place to do talent evaluation. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. I think there's, I think the best place to do talent evaluation is at the Home Run Derby. Uh, for the major leaguers. What do you think? I mean, I know that uh, Yoannis Espedes, I understand that he won and he beat Todd Frazier. Honestly, I, and I missed the event. And usually I watch a good bit of it, but... Um... Well, I, I, I'm thankful for my job today. I'm thankful. And I love baseball and I love going to games and covering them. But Derby news for me and I was in the ballpark. I just worked. I, I didn't even stop. stop every in a while when someone when everyone was like oh my god <laughs> uh, and then i looked down i didn't even know what was going on i didn't know who was winning um i think I tweeted once when some you know somebody had a monster shot but it's actually not sort of not that fun and it was a little bit less fun even in the uh, event because it's a three-hour event but there was like was like 15 to 20 minutes of action you know there was a lot of downtime a lot of time you know, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't a great event. I just threw it. I don't uh, need to make anyone feel bad. Like it's, it's not for I'm kind of indifferent about the all-star break in general. A lot of that comes from just uh, the the league pageantry and stuff. I mean, they have it, they, you know, they now they have the red carpet show, which is, I mean, that makes me kind of ill. I don't care for that kind of thing, period, anyway. Like, I just, I mean... I don't get excited for awards and award shows and things like that. Like that's, that's not for me. So um, when they do it for sports is especially kind of, I mean, some of these things are fun to debate. Sure. But uh, like there, there are never enough all-star roster spots. There are certainly players that we can always disagree. They shouldn't have, you know, a lot of, you know, a lot of us can agree. Some guys shouldn't have made it and some guys should have, et cetera, et cetera. But I think the, a lot of what goes into it, I think is just excess. And I just, 
uh, kind of have a distaste for it. I do. Uh, the The game is often kind of enjoyable, and I'll I'll, I'll say that. But um, I think it, it. You actually you're you're talking about the points that you dislike about the home run derby. I think that it kind of embodies some of that of uh, what I dislike about it as well. Just in the sense, like there's there's a lot of downtime. There's no. I mean, what I love about baseball is the chess match, you know, between a pitcher and a and a hitter, and watching the you know the how. A situation changes with every single move, for instance, that a pitcher makes. Even if it's a pickoff attempt, that that changes, or perhaps his pitch selection for uh, coming up, or whether he shakes off the catcher and things like that. Like all that, that's what is pretty much what is most alluring to me about baseball. And you lose it when uh, you get some schmo out there throwing fake BP to all the sluggers of the league and Brian Dozier, I guess. The, the interesting wrinkle to what you're saying, which is half of the guys. There's a piece I'm. That's going up in a second on on Fangraphs. I just asked everybody who they're looking forward to seeing uh, matching up against, who they'd like to, you know, what bat, what pitcher or batter would they like to to go up against? And uh, for the most part, these all stars no idea who's on the other team. <laughs> it was it was just because you know the 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 grind of baseball that for these players is you know get in video get your swings do this do that warm up throw stretch you know they have all these this routine that they do to get ready and to get focused and to really know who the other to get those moments that you love so much right they mm-hmm. they have a lot of work to get there and and that's why we love those moments because they are really thinking they're thinking they, the pitcher's thinking there's history the the, the teams ha- have history there's all this uh, build up in these little back and forth and did he throw what was that was a slider is he going to be out in front is he behind so all that stuff goes out the window and you're right that 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 kind of and eh, you know uh, that's what we like about baseball but there's something funny that happens when you throw all that stuff out the window it, you get and I, I, this is a piece going up on sports on earth because i have all these guys saying you know yeah team will be will be off i ha- i won't be able to do the things i'll do i'll have no idea who's going up there i'm going to just go up there and swing <laughs> you know i'm just going to go up there and see what he's got you know, Anthony Rizzo said, I'm going to go up there like a kid. I'm going to, you know, get, grab a bat. Okay. And Derek Norris said, you know, we all this work, and it's great. I love it. And, you know, this great job and, you know, blah, blah, blah. But we do all this work all the time. This is going to be fun. This is just going to be baseball. We're just going to go out there and play and, you know, see what happens. So that There's no I think, scouting reports. There's no this. There's no that. It's just you bring what you got, and I'll bring what I got, and we'll see who wins kind of thing that's kind of uh, uh, the fun part of you a little bit of honesty and fun and spontaneity and you know you you know my favorite all-star moment when turned his hat around yeah and and who stood like five feet off the off the off of the plate because randy, randy johnson, johnson yeah. I, just, I love that and i think there are little moments like or or when um Tory Hunter stole the the home run for Barry Bonds and like yes. didn't run out and hug him or something and yeah. play. <laughs> yes, gave him a hard time for Robin of that home run. Yeah. Right, and sort of stuff you couldn't do in a regular game because you're too serious to do that and you you're not a spontaneous, you know, you you're too wrapped up in winning the game. So I think a little bit of of complaint um uh, there's a little bit that's compelling to me about about uh, about this, but the All Star Game. But I also agree, it's not. It's, it doesn't really feel like real baseball. So 
it doesn't really feel like real baseball, which is sometimes okay in small doses and kind of can be kind of fun. It's just the the addendum put on the rest of that sentence, I guess. Ultimately, what it comes down to for me is at least like for the break, the game is kind of the one thing that it is fun. I think that's like because it's even if it's not if it's not about the chess match, it's about it's about these players abilities and what you know which is part of it that's what we're all here we appreciate that because all the preparation that goes into it most of the time is to allow them to succeed or or fail with that ability but now we just get to see it's just pure ability against pure ability and and it's it's them having fun and i think it's for putting myself at risk of sounding kind of like a sap i mean i, I like to see these guys have fun too because i think it just kind of adds to it and you see, sometimes you see some really cool and amazing stuff with that as well. As you, when you talk about some of the moments, such as uh, Randy Johnson on Cork in the wildest uh, fastball you've ever seen, or uh, Barry Bonds be, being robbed of a home run. You know, there are a lot of people who dis, dislike Bonds, and maybe they like seeing it just for that reason. But uh, for whatever the reason, that there's this, there are a lot of fun moments. Uh, there's also oftentimes in the game, there's a lot of really good baseball played. Find some find some good moments in there. Find you know, don't worry too much about the fact that it's not real baseball. Um, just have a fun and rest, and drink some water, and eat some broccoli. I recommend broccoli on any day of the week. Really, it's really <laughs> it's really good for you. I like it. It's one of my favorite vegetables. Might be my favorite vegetable. I have a sort of on again, off again love affair with it. Uh, <laughs> And it's well. Then there's no better time to fall back in love with it than uh, at the Major League Baseball All Star Game, which airs tonight. I think that's going to do it for this edition of the Sleeper and the Bust. Uh, this is episode number one forty two. We do have uh, we have great appreciation for everyone. We talk got we're glad we got to talk about some more um, requested topics, uh, but more so, we really hope that uh, any technical difficulties we can minimize in this. We really appreciate y'all sticking with us uh, through this point of the season. We are also hoping for. Um, Many more continued improvements uh, to the show as we move forward through, uh, and, and finish this one out. Thank you all yes, once for joining us, and, and enjoy the rest of the All-Star break, and enjoy the game. Thank you all, and this has been The Sleeper and the Bust. Boom.